Welcome to the Silver Screen Guide Podcast. Join Corbin and Alan, along with guest hosts, as they bring their love for the cinema to discuss films from every genre and decade. Learn about the history of the film, little-known facts, and insightful explorations while they enjoy discussing your favorite film. The curtain is rising and your podcast is starting. So sit back, relax, and enjoy your guide to the silver screen. Welcome back, listeners, to the sixth installment in our Rocky movie review series. Today we are reviewing Rocky Balboa. This is your co-host, Corbin. And I'm Alan. And as we mentioned at the very end of the last podcast, it has been 16 long years since Rocky Balboa has been absent from the big screen, small screen, anything. Remember, Rocky V came out in 1990. Well, people had to wait till Wednesday, December 20th, 2006, to see the Italian Stallion return to the big screen. That's a crazy long time to wait for a sequel. Now, not the longest. We've reviewed Blade Runner and Blade Runner 2049. Right. And a couple others that I'm drawing like Mad Max, Thunderdome, the Mad Max Fury Road. Yep, that's true. So so it's not out of the ordinary. This has been done a number of times where people come back really almost like decades later. Yeah. Well, yeah. many decades later do it. Exactly. Yeah. And then we also kind of noted that, you know, the Rocky franchise is pretty much done once Rocky V <laughs> wrapped up. That was pretty much it for a while um, until, of course, Sylvester Stallone decided that he wanted to bring it back in 2006. But yeah, for the most part, you know, there was at least some finality to the series as well. Yeah, this is, and you're speaking of this film, right? Yeah, and this was the one I essentially yes. I brought it back and also at the same time, somewhat of a, of a wrap up as well. Yes, this is, and that's exactly right. That's why Sylvester Stallone brought it back is because comparing it to uh, a sports player maybe he thought he retired before his time because usually people who play sports you know retire earlier than the average worker and you know I think he genuinely was done with Rocky 5 and it didn't uh, I think it only confirmed it considering how poorly it performed critically and at the box office right but you know he is um, quite a bit older in life Last time we saw him, he was 44 years old. He is now 60. Um, and, you know, this also prompts Stallone to return to one of his other franchises two years later with just straight up Rambo in 2008. And we have reviewed that movie as well. Yeah, we have. They feel very similar because they both just have like the name of the main character, Rocky Balboa and Rambo. Yeah. So, like I said, Stallone really felt like he didn't like how he ended Rocky five and he wanted this to be the official. And that's why he came back to it. Right. The other thing to note is that Sylvester Stallone is back in the director's chair. That's right. The last time he directed was Rocky four because John G. Alvinson did return for Rocky five. So it's kind of a familiar face back in the director's chair again, because he did do the majority of the Rocky films. Oh Yeah. Also, listeners, if you are ready for us to get to the review of the film, you do have that capability. Check the timestamps in the description below. That'll tell you uh, wherever you want to jump around to the podcast. Alan puts those down there every week. Also, while you're down there, there are links to all of the podcast platforms we're on or social media platforms. 
our Patreon page. If you want some bonus content and you also want to help us financially as well, that would be awesome. And you get some really cool stuff out of it as well. Um, also, if you are listening on iTunes right now, go ahead and leave us five stars. That does help us get recommended to other listeners. Um, looking for a fun movie review podcast. It grows the Silver Screen Guide community. It's a great free way to support us. And it also helps us reach our goal of being verified critics on Rotten Tomatoes. So that's definitely one of our goals for 2021 is to be verified critics. Leaving us that five star is a great free way to help us out. And even if you're not listening on Apple Podcasts, no matter where you're at, the rating helps us um, wherever. So that's just a great free way to support us. Sylvester Stallone very much viewed this as a redemption story, a comeback story. And we know Christianity has always been laced throughout the films. Mm -hmm. I think this is the first time we ever get um, actual scripture, chapter and verse um, told to us here in the film, Zechariah 4, 6. Um, so Christianity has always been big. And this movie was very important to Stallone because this was also kind of a return to his faith. He was re refining his Christianity. So um, when my dad was the pastor at our church, he received a Rocky Balboa kit, which came with, yeah, it came with promotional materials, um, trying to turn it into like a church event for like, you can get people together at your church to go see it. And it also had study materials on the parallels between the film and Christianity and things like that. Um, and so we were actually invited to be on a conference call, which I did get out of school early for, um, just for your frame of reference, I was 11 years old when this movie came out, I was pushing 12. Mm. Nevertheless, um, we were on the conference call where Stallone, um, really did talk about his Christian faith and how, um, it, this movie really was healthy for him coming back into that. So that was really cool to be a part of that. And it also did come with a replica Rocky Balboa boxing glove, which I still have. And um, we always meant to kind of send that off and get signed by Stallone. So Stallone, if you're listening, I, I will send it off for you to get it signed. <laughs> but nevertheless, that's a little backstory I have with that. That's interesting because, uh, you know, since you and I have essentially grown up in the church, you know, it's not anything new to get like a package of like a film and like reading material and study material and all kinds of stuff that goes along with it um, as, as well. Like that's, that's nothing new, but usually those are films that are like, you know, they are very much Christian films. Uh, it's, I guess I would say it's not necessarily the same here because this is not necessarily a, the same vein of Christian films as that, those, as the ones that we, we've, that we've seen before. So that is interesting yeah. that I guess I didn't realize that this was a film that was mark. It was also marketed toward churches. That's interesting to me. Yeah, it was. I distinctly remember the memorabilia. And like I said, I still have the boxing glove, which came with kind of the church kit, not really a press kit, I guess. Can't can't really call it that. Yeah. But yeah, there are, um, it's not really explicitly Christian except for that scripture. And it's pretty obvious Rocky films have always had those Christian undertones to them, right. references. But there right. definitely is like Christian themes about, you know, helping the poor, taking care of each other you know, honoring your parents and children and definitely, of course, that kind of resurrection theme in this movie of Rocky's comeback. Right. Well, we know Rocky Five was poorly received by critics and, and audiences and it pretty much bombed at the box office. 
I, I am hoping that this movie did better than that and <laughs> it didn't bomb. Well, yes, it didn't bomb this time. Um, it had a budget of $24 million. Opening weekend, it got back $12.2 million, And it should also be noted that it came out at number three and Ooh. did not get much better um, in its placement in the box office. Um, wow. In fact, by about week three, it was basically buried. But mm. domestically, it got back $70.3 million. Four markets at 85.7 million for a worldwide total of 155.9 million. So it definitely made its budget back um, almost at four plus six, almost six times. So it did pretty dang well in the box office. I mean, you know, all things considered, it definitely wasn't necessarily as big of a flop <laughs> or a flop at all compared to last time. No, you're right. I mean, that's that is impressive that a, a franchise that at this point, um, this came out on the 30th anniversary. Um, mm -hmm. since the original film so the franchise is 30 years old there hasn't been a sequel in 16 years and the next generation has really no idea who rocky balboa is unless their parents really told them about him so um opening weekend is a pretty poor showing with uh, 12 million um at number three but hey the budget is really low um, kind of going back to those kind of middle roots of a low budget but yeah, I would definitely say it's a big um, box office success um, domestically, internationally, and worldwide. Mm -hmm. So that's cool to see that happen. And I know it had a really large opening. It opened in over 3,000 theaters. Yeah. Um, so they're really kind of pushing this out there to get it um, out uh, in people's purview. But so what did it uh, miss out on? It, it's number three. What beat it out at the box office? So when it did release, Night of the Museum was number one and Pursuit of Happiness was a, was number two. Um, and they would pretty much stay in those spots for uh, the, the next few weeks at least. So it was, it was at least Night of the Museum that was up there. And that makes kind of, that makes some sense because it is Christmas time, you know, and movies that are very much family oriented are going to take the cake. Um, yeah. Rocky is not exact. I mean, it, I would say it's, it's probably so it probably could, can be considered as a family film, but not in the same vein as like not at the museum. So yeah, that those two films definitely overtook it when it was released. And like I said, it did. It just kind of got buried by week three. Um, it went from third place to sixth place to ninth place to 13th place by its fourth week. So it was wow. it did not its placement didn't was not very good. I have it here from Box Office Mojo that it was in theaters for 57 weeks. Okay, so a pretty long time. Like, that's over a year. Yeah, hence the reason why it earned so much money, <laughs> because yeah. they just kept it in theaters. And that doesn't necessarily mean domestically. That's also including overseas as well. Mm -hmm. Definitely, yeah. Well, so it didn't do great opening weekend, but it did fare pretty well overall at the box office what did critics think of it? Because as we've mentioned, these movies have just been going downhill. Yeah. Well, we think you'll be pleasantly surprised. Um, critic scores seem to be rather high. Meta score of a 63 and a Rotten Tomato score of a 77%. So those are both definitely in the green um, with the Rotten wow. Tomato score. That's definitely getting pretty close to fresh if it's not fresh already. So surprisingly, critics thought it was, you know, pretty all right. They definitely are rather positive toward it. I mean, especially comparing it to last time. That is big time. Um, having that really high Rotten Tomatoes critic score bouncing up from the 29%. 63 in the green for Metascore. That's something to be proud of. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So 
for audiences, IMDb score of 7.1, which is, I think, the highest since the first one, if I'm not mistaken. Um, first Rocky film. Um, and then we've also got a Rotten Tomatoes score of a 76%, Cinema score at a B plus, and Letterbox score of a 3.4. So all across the board, they're definitely much better than what we've seen for the past few movies, it looks like. But they're definitely um, like high. They're high scores, like up at least in the 70s or above, which is really good to see. So yeah, you're right. It looks like, well, actually, this is the third highest in the series. Rocky 2 has a 7.3. Okay. Um, so very close with a 7.1. And actually, this is the first film to be certified fresh on Rotten Tomatoes after the first movie. That's so interesting. The remake. Usually you don't see that. Especially nowadays. Usually you don't. Yeah, usually you don't see that for the sixth film in a, a series, especially 16 years later. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, and uh, definitely in the green on Metascore. I guess the last film had an A. This film got a B plus. Um yeah, audiences thought it was pretty good. They didn't mm. think it was just incredible, though. But let's say it is 2006. Um, did you go to the theater to see this in back in 2006? Because I didn't. Yep. Okay. I did. I I was in theaters 2006, probably not at the tail end of Christmas. I probably caught it in January. I did go see it with my dad. Okay, I got you. Yeah, I definitely did not see this in the theater. But from... From the trailers that you watched for the review, or maybe even back in 2006, what, you know, would they get you into theater? I mean, clearly something did. Um, something was probably mostly your dad. But seeing the trailers right. back then, would they get you in the theater? Yeah, I was a Sylvester Stallone fan. I had always wanted to watch First Blood. I don't think I had got to watch it yet, but I was definitely trying to get my dad to let me watch it. <laughs> Um, that's a different story. That one's rated R. Um, but yeah, I had mentioned earlier in previous episodes that I owned the first Rocky film on DVD and I watched it a bunch. So when I was 11 years old, um, I was excited to see this. And it was also like partially my dad's excitement as well, because my dad um, was a teenager when the first Rocky film came out. And so he kind of grew up with them and knowing about them into adulthood. And so it's pretty cool that um, it's kind of like in a way almost, I know there's not much of a comparison, but it's like getting to see Star Wars for this generation. Um, I thought uh, episode three was going to be the last time I was ever going to see one in theaters. And surprise, we've come back to theaters numerous times. So it's kind of that cross-generational excitement where my dad and my dad got to see the other Rockies in theaters. And now I'm getting to see this one in theaters with him. And like for me, I mentioned in the last few podcasts that, you know, I haven't seen any other Rocky films. It's the same story with this one. Nothing really new. I'm completely new to this um, as well. So I got to say, though, the trailer for me, at least I there were two of them that I was able to watch. One of them was much better than the other one. The first one that I watched explains the whole movie. And the second one that I watched was like much better at keeping things a bit more subtle and, you know, not giving too much away. So in terms of me getting in the theater, I, I'm going to say probably not. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm probably going to say probably not. I'd be curious to see where they were going to go now that it's been so many years since the first Rocky film. But I don't think I would get in the theater because of my, you know, I wasn't very happy. I wasn't very you know, keen on those last few movies with Rocky anyways. So why would I come back to it? You know, now is my, would be my biggest question. 
maybe I would if I if I saw the scores, but I don't think I'd be too keen on it. I think for me, it would be more so just curiosity's sake. If, you know, I had that familiarity with the previous films, which I didn't at the time, but now that I do, you're right, they did leave a bad taste in my mouth. But 16 years later, I'm curious enough, I would go see it um, in theaters, like if it was coming out today. But would you pick it up? Uh, would you rent it, Alan? I might rent it. Yeah, if I didn't see it in a theater, I probably would end up renting it at some point. All right, listeners, if you haven't seen Rocky Balboa and you don't want the film spoiled for you, then go ahead and click pause right now. Go ahead and watch the film and then come back and click play and we'll be ready to talk about it. It's been 30 years since Rocky faced Apollo Creed. Since then, Rocky has won the championship title twice, beat a boxer from Soviet Russia, and even trained somebody else to win the title. Since then, Adrian has passed away cancer and Rocky opened an Italian restaurant under her name. Robert Balboa Jr. is also becoming very distant to Rocky. After a computer simulation showing young, young up-and-coming boxer Mason Dixon losing to Rocky in his prime, the public begins to stir. This causes the older Rocky to apply for license again, which, in turn, then causes Dixon's team to push for an exhibition match between the two fighters. Rocky peeks at this proposition to live out his glory days once again. Despite the warning from his son and Polly, Rocky pushes forward to begin training. Robert Jr., while initially skeptical, changes his opinion and aids his father's training process for the upcoming fight. Just before the fight, Dixon tells Rocky that he'll help him out in the ring, but if the senior fighter pushes back, he won't play nice. The two fighters enter the ring and they trade blows back and forth for 10 rounds, ending with another split decision. The judge ultimately gives the fight to Dixon, but the crowd gives it to Rocky. And then, credits roll. Well, I gotta know, what do you think of Adrian Talia Shire's not in this movie? She has, in Rocky World, she has passed away. What did you think of that choice? Did you know that going in? No, I didn't uh, actually. And when they started, like, I think it isn't really, you know, it isn't, doesn't take them too long to really tell us that, you know, Talia Shire, Adrian did pass away. Um, so I was, at first, I was a bit skeptical. I was like, why, why would they, you know, why would they go down this path? Um, you know, that is, you know, removing Adrian from the story. I think ultimately, I think I like, I think I do like where it goes, where, you know, she isn't a part of the story anymore. Um, but it is, it is kind of, kind of feel, you know, rather abrupt, like her character didn't really have much of an end, unfortunately, because she just doesn't show up in the, in this new remake. But yeah, I was a bit surprised to see that she doesn't return for Rocky Balboa. So what's funny is I thought she passed away in Rocky five. Oh, really? Um, yeah, I thought we did get a finale to her character and that's why, um, Rocky Jr. was so sad in that film is because he didn't have his mom and his dad wasn't like really paying him much attention. So that's what I thought the plot of Rocky five was for the longest time until I actually watched it. Mm -hmm. And then I realized that um, she's actually alive and well and in through the entire film in Rocky five. But I think it's a good idea that she's not in this movie because it puts him at a very different place in life. And I think it really does highlight the changes that he has undergone through these um, well, almost two decades. Yeah. So uh, I think it's also really touching to see that um, he will visit her grave. And I think it really does show how far the series has come, especially with those kind of sentimental moments of, on the anniversary of her death, he's revisiting like their most memorable spots. And um, I really did like that nice little touch of him keeping the chair in the cemetery, how 
he just visits her so often. He just has that chair there. So I thought this was a very interesting way to open the movie and probably took a lot of viewers off guard. Yeah, definitely. And they this is like an extended sequence too, right? This is like the anniversary of her death when we open right. to the film. And we kind of get to see how he's trying to get, you know, his son to come to the restaurant to, you know, somewhat as like a memory for, you know, for mom, right? And so we kind of get to see how that, that doesn't happen. And then we also go, they also go to the ice rink that used to be there, but has been taken down since, uh, since then. I mean, you got to get a scuffle between Polly and, and Rocky where Polly, you know, he, he kind of regrets how, you know, bad he treated Adrian back in those yeah. older movies. Right. So we, it's an, it's a very interesting scene because, you know, I, I guess I wasn't expecting us to get like kind of right into the drama pretty you know, pretty quick, right into the, like in this first act of the film, Adrian's dead and we're already seeing Pauly kind of, you know, showing his disdain of his behavior that he used to have, that he used to, you know, angle towards, towards Adrian. So I, I found that to be kind of surprising, you know, and I, at this time I was questioning, you know, why would they go down this, this route of killing off Adrian and then trying to spend so much time on it? I think ultimately at the end of the day, I think they, it was for the better, to you know, more the more or less focus solely on the character of Rocky, right? Um, I, I think I ended up liking it more than my initial thoughts were on it. So yeah, and you know, I think it also probably would have undercut the father and son time that this movie focuses on, because mm -hmm. Adrian has always been the voice of reason in Rocky's life, just kind of like yelling at him to. He's got this big blockhead, and she's always trying to put it back on straight. Yeah, and. I think it was time for her to leave that role since she did it for so many movies. And I like that now that his son is older, then they have more adult issues to deal with. So I, I got to know, what do you think of their relationship? Because I'm honestly surprised by there's something really cold and distant going on which was weird because they ended on such a good relationship in Rocky five. Yeah. I think it's interesting that, you know, it's the son who's kind of become more distant than it is Rocky being the one who's done that. Right. Cause in the first, in the last movie, that was like the main, one of the main uh, focuses was that was those family dynamics and how, you know, the absence of Rocky has caused the son to go down a bad path in life. Right. This one's kind of the other way around, right? It's not necessarily the that Rocky is distant. It's more of the son is distant. It's because he's also trying to focus on his career. And it's not like he's like actively pushing away his dad necessarily. It's just more of, you know, life has kind of gotten to this point where, you know, he is being more independent and isn't spending as much time around his dad. Um, so, yeah, I think I ended up liking that because it, it does it does also show that, you know, while Rocky, you know, while Rocky is in this position, it's not, you know, a, the ideal life that he wants to have. It's it's very much, it feels almost like it's somewhat fragmented because he still has the passion to want to box. He still has a passion, you know, for, for Adrian, obviously, and still has a passion to try and have a relationship with his son. But they're all kind of, you know, not necessarily at peace, it feels like, right? So... I do, I think I end up liking, you know, where the son and uh, where the father and son were in this movie um, when it began, how distant they are and how much Rocky is trying to repair that. Yeah, I think it was a smart move and a very realistic one that I'm sure a lot of famous people have to deal with with their children is because he's always been, he's always grown up being known as Rocky's son. Mm -hmm. and not really having his own identity so he's trying to do something utterly opposite from his father his father was bad in school 
and he is this fighter. And that's something they set up in Rocky five is that uh, junior is really smart and Rocky was never really that smart. He had reading issues or something we've found in Rocky two. So I like that contrast that he's trying to go the opposite direction of his dad. He's trying to make himself into his own man and it all comes to a head and that I think it was a really great dramatic scene, probably the best dramatic scene of the whole movie where they kind of have this little blowout outside of Adrian's. And I really like Rocky's monologue about you are great and I've always loved you. I don't know where you got this in your head that I didn't, but you got to get over yourself and you got to get over that and go make something of yourself. And I want to be your dad and I want to live life with you. And then his son comes back to the cemetery the next day mm-hmm. just because he like knew his dad would be there. And and it's pretty clear his son has been avoiding that spot as well. And he's like, right now, I just want to spend time with you. And I thought that was kind of the emotional crux of the movie. And it worked pretty well for me. Yeah, the the son, I think that kind of encapsulates like, you know, why the son is somewhat estranged. While it isn't all of his own doing, some of it is still because he does say in that, that conversation, you know, I am essentially living in your shadow, right? The reason I have the job I have right now is because I'm your son. Right. It's not necessarily anything that I did is, you know, what is all of what you have done. And for any at the same time, while he's thankful for that, he at the same time wants to do things himself. Right. There is I think the, the biggest like idea here that they keep hitting on is, you know, living for living and doing things that you want to do, living, you know, somewhat living for yourself. Right. Living for the things and doing the things that you want to do despite what anybody else thinks, right? It's it's more it's more or less doing things for yourself, right? That's like most definitely like the thing that they hit on the most in this movie. And I do kind of want to come back to that because I have a bit of an issue with, you know, why of where they go down in this road, but we will return to that in a little bit. But that's essentially the whole crux of this movie. And we do kind of get to see at the same time how Dixon's character is that same way, but also, you know, also being controlled by others and, and whatnot and living for how what others think of him instead of living for what he wants to do rather than that he's like looking through others eyes for a somewhat of approval and you're hitting on something that stallone talked about a lot in the commentary with the film is that dixon really isn't the villain he's not the clubber laying or the drago of the film he's really just kind of a misunderstood character. Him and Rocky aren't enemies. He's just another young man in his prime. And he is allowing others to make choices for him that he necessarily wouldn't make and doesn't like. And so uh, the same goes for Rocky Jr. And Rocky himself is you kind of are the master of your destiny. You're the captain of your fate, however you want to call it. And it's really up to you to uh, change that. doesn't matter if you're old if you're young, somewhere in between. So you're right, that is kind of the main point of the movie. And another point that this film drives home is that Sylvester Stallone, like I said, is he's 60 years old at the time of this movie. So he he doesn't want to feel like he is kind of all used up or he's not giving it his all before his time is up. So that's the whole point of this movie also is, you know, no matter your age, you can still enjoy your passion and still go for it. You're not going to be as good, but that's not really the point. It's not about being good anymore. It's just about doing what you love. Right. So I I think that actually works and it would only work by bringing Rocky back 
in real time so many years later. And so I think that story is worth telling because it is he is now an older version of the character. Yeah. And I guess I wouldn't ha- I don't have as much of a problem here. I, I just kind of still but I don't have as much of a problem here bringing Rocky out of an, out of retirement again, because, you know, it is going for that idea, right? Bringing him out because he wants to come out, not because something is forcing him out. Right. He feels as if he wants to fight again. And so he does. Yeah. Right. It's not like before where it feels like somebody just keeps pushing and pushing and pushing. Like in the case of Rocky three, when Rocky finally says, OK, fine, I'll fight you. Right. So it, it feels like this is most definitely Rocky's choice. And because of that, you know, he is doing it solely because this is just what he loves to do. And there is that idea of Rocky with what him and Paulie call the monster in the basement, right? There's something inside of him that he just needs to get rid of that he has, you know, been hankering to do, which is that is that his fight for who knows how long years since at least he's been uh, since he's been retired. So. Yeah, there are ideas like that. There are ideas here that I, I do really enjoy that, especially that one with like, you know, the monster in the basement, right? It feels like, you know, it's it's something that, you know, Rocky has been wrestling with for a long time, but just hasn't said anything until now, of course. I also didn't want to forget to mention, I'm, I was very curious why Sage Stallone didn't reprise his role. Um, he wouldn't pass away for another six years, so he definitely could have, but... Rocky and their relationship, especially because this is an adult um, character now, their relationship is so father and son centric and they've got a lot of issues to deal with. He just didn't think it would make sense or be healthy for um, them to play that out in the movie because he didn't want people reading into it what wasn't there. From what I understood, they didn't really have this kind of relationship, but he didn't want to invite those assumptions. That's interesting. I, I I was wondering the same thing too because we noticed that we did note that you know last time he used the, he had one of his sons play the role and he did have another one of his sons play an earlier role in Rocky too. But I was also curious why didn't he return? So I guess that makes sense. Yeah, you didn't want people reading into it too far. You know, this movie is also I found it pretty interesting that this is also kind of a love letter to the city of Philadelphia and not just all about Rocky coming back and getting the glory. Um, It was really cool because a lot of um, these really small um, character bits are just real people from Philadelphia Mm -hmm. that just walked in and auditioned. And um, like when he goes back to the old bar, there's those kind of bum type people that are kind of berating him. Those are real Philadelphians that just live around the corner. Um, When Rocky goes into the market, uh, the whatever it was, the Italian market, yeah, those are real people. That's a real market. They didn't shut down the market and bring in extras. Um, they just it was kind of like uh, made me think of Greengrass with um, Jason Bourne and uh, yeah, w- wherever they shot at. You you've been there in in uh, London. Yeah, uh, Waterloo Station. Yeah, they didn't shut it down. It's like we're filming and everybody in the background is just going about their business for right. in real life. So I thought that was kind of cool. And also um, when Rocky is coming into the stadium at the very end for the fight, those people were really confused because they were there to see a real fight. And they said, hey, we've got um, Sylvester Sloan shooting a movie here real quick. Let's just all cheer it up for Rocky. Um, so those are real HBO cameramen. Those are real sports announcers. Those are real people. Yeah. And this is, I, this wouldn't be the first time that they've used real announcers for Rocky either, but this is, I think the first time where they really take that, like, 
realism when it comes to shooting the the fights to a dip, much different level because mm-hmm. now it, they film it as if it's like actually a real fight, which from what I understand is what they were like definitely going for, right? You have on the bottom, you have the title cards of who's fighting and or uh, who's announcing and whatnot. So yeah, it is definitely feels like something that you would, you know, you would flip the channels and watch on a pay-per-view, it, which makes, which nowadays is much different than what it was back in, back when Rocket League first released. Yeah, and it is fascinating because um, I appreciated that fight a lot more after watching the special features because they are really punching each other. Mm-hmm. They are not faking this fight. Um, they are really going at it, and that's why it is the most realistic fight of any of the movies because they are sucker punching each other. They they're going at it in this. Um, this is a this is a legitimate fight, which I didn't realize that when watching the movie. I just thought they did a pretty good job, but nope, it's real. And you'll see shots where Stallone can't get up because he is really dazed and confused from getting slammed in the face. Yeah, I do know that I think he got I think he got uh I think there was a knockout at one point where Stallone did pass out because of a punch um from the fighter, <laughs> if I'm not mistaken, yeah. this one. Oh yeah, you <laughs> it's really funny. He talks about that in the commentary where he's mm-hmm. like, You see that shot where I can't get up? He's like, Yeah, I legitimately couldn't get up. <laughs> yeah. And um I know during training, um Tarver broke his knuckle and Stallone broke one of his bones. So Oh man. They they took this thing really seriously. Yeah. Now, this also would be the first time that they've used, like, like they've actually fought, I believe, in Rocky 3, I want to say, 2 or 3, um, they did, uh, actually, they I think they did actually fight, and they were wanting to use the sound effects from that. They wanted to go as realistic as possible. Um, it may mm. be even, it was for one of the, one of the other Rocky films I read that they were also going for a very realistic style and they even used like the re- the actual sound effects, um, from the fight in the film, which you never really see. Cause I was like, kind of, you know, there was an overdo it. Um, so yeah. that I, I think I got an award for that at one point. I, I, again, I forget what Rocky movie it is, but that's where I read, I read it. It was one of them. I'm pretty sure it's Rocky four because I know it was getting too real and Carl Weathers threatened to walk off the set because he didn't want the snot beaten out of him. Um, Mm. Yeah, Yeah, it was definitely Rocky four, Rocky three. The fight with Clever Lang looked fake as can be. You could tell Mr. T was really um, faking it on that. (laughs) No. Yeah, you're right. It was Rocky four. I found in my notes. (laughs) Well, I got to say probably my favorite aspect of this movie is, um, rocky's relationship with little marie mm-hmm. and bringing that small character back from the first film and making her a major character i think it goes to more so the heart of the character of rocky of just wanting to help people and that's something you see in the first movie is he's kind of just attracted to broken people because he's just like a broken person himself and just trying to figure out a way how to make life better for other people and that just brings joy to his life so i gotta say that's my favorite part of this movie yeah definitely i think that the scenes with marie and later with steps their characters i feel they do bring a sense of i I guess peace to rocky's life like as you were mentioning he definitely seems to stray towards more broken people and we i mean we clearly saw that because of where her character comes from being originally from that first movie and the kid that he ends up walking home because he was she was hanging out with the wrong crowd so yeah i do like the relationship that rocky has with marie and where it goes because it's definitely not a romantic relationship right it's definitely just like a friendship that they build because rocky sees that they are struggling and knows that they need 
help and decides to help him out. So absolutely. Yeah, they were, I do like, at least Marie. I like Marie's character, um, at least Marie's side character the most out of probably anybody else in the in the movie. I do wish that, though, they uh, would have developed her son more because um, he kind of has yeah. just slipped in there. Um, he is a, There is a deleted scene. Um, you know when they go to pick out the dog? So that was preceded by a pretty long scene of Rocky kind of giving him some life advice, and it works really well, kind of like when he gave that advice to Marie. Mm-hmm. For some reason, they cut it. It's really disappointing. Um, I think there was... There is yeah. like m- much more character potential in this film. It's all on the cutting room floor. There, like I said, there's 23 minutes of cut footage. Um, and throughout the commentary, Stallone kept talking about how he's going to do a director's cut of the film and he's going to put all of this back in. So, I mean, that was uh, 14 years ago now. <laughs> so I, yeah. I don't know, but he's doing a director's cut of Rocky Four, So maybe we'll get one for this movie. I don't know. Right, maybe. I would like to see that because there is a lot, I think there is a lot missing, especially yeah. with these characters, like a, like a lot missing, unfortunately. It's like, and most notably, like you were just saying, with the character of Steps. Yeah, it, it really is worthwhile, I think, to watch some of the cut footage because it's, like you said, it's like, oh, well, that's what was in between those yeah. <laughs> those uh, scenes. Ah, I get it now. Yeah. Um, it's, it's surprising. Because I also feel like there is also, and maybe this would be in the cut footage, I can't speak for that because I haven't seen it, but it would, I think it would also kind of help, you know, give a bit more meaning to a lot of the, a lot of this, like, first act leading up until when the fight actually starts happening. Because I think there's like a lot of things here that, it just like, this movie just like some meander it feels like. Like, it's just going from scene to scene without much reason, which is kind of what the first film did as well. Um, but at the same time, I feel like that one had that one felt a bit more genuine. I, I don't feel the same here. I don't feel like this one. This one, to me, doesn't feel nearly as, I guess, genuine as like the first one did, where the, I felt like I was like into the whole story and into the world. Not really the same here. I feel like this movie, like some meander. So maybe that would, maybe those weird scenes would fix it. Like I said, I wouldn't know until I actually watch it on that director's cut. Um, Yeah, I mean, I would agree that some of the cut footage does provide a little bit more meat and reasoning to what these characters are doing in their lives. That's probably one of my major criticisms of this film, though, is I found the first hour to be largely boring. Okay, yeah, I wouldn't say I guess I wouldn't say boring, but I, I know what you're talking about. I feel like I wasn't bored necessarily. But I didn't feel like it was very important. That's what I feel. Well, I mean, it's just hard for me to get invested in these characters. I don't understand Mason Dixon's backstory, why I'm supposed to care about him. The movie leaves a lot in doubt and a lot in question until we hit that kind of middle point. And then a lot of character motivations um, take I don't know, they kind of like flourish, they come to light or they kind of pay off in a way and kind of on a different track. So I see this movie as mostly two parts. And like I said, this first part is fine. Um, I, you also have to realize that I think this movie is largely a rehash to a sl- like almost a remake of the very first movie. Oh no, you're absolutely right. <laughs> you're, you're absolutely right. They definitely try to go for a similar tone and a similar structure as that first movie. 
And like I mentioned just a second ago, you know, that first half of Rocky is very much like, you know, was, us walking through Rocky's life on like a day-to-day -day basis almost. It, and it feels, I've, I I really enjoyed that aspect of the film. Not the same here. I don't feel like they capture it nearly as well as they did with that first one where you do get just experience where Rocky's life is in this moment, especially after so many years of being away and being gone through so many different fights. It feels very much like the first film, but not on that same level. I'm not as engaged um, and not as interested with this new with this newest Rocky Balboa than I was with the first one. It also doesn't help that I feel like a lot of these sequences in the movie feel staged to me. Oh, uh, <laughs> oh yeah. It, it feels staged. A lot of the dialogue feels very stilted or they're just kind of waiting for their cues or that's when they give the line reading. It feels like and sometimes this movie does feel like an independent movie and like not a good independent movie. There's some fantastic ones. This feels like more of the low budget cheesy. Nobody's ever really acted before. So I, I think a lot of the time this film can come across very watery. Oh, no, absolutely. I feel like this is one of the more I feel like this one all the way around for me just feels manufactured. I don't know if, I don't think that that's where the director was going. I don't think that's where no. uh, Sylvester Stallone was going, but that's what it feels like, right? I feel like not, there isn't a whole lot in this film that I feel feels genuine to me. It feels like it was on the script, written on the page. I think part of that is because of some of, I think it's at least the way that the actors have portrayed it. Whether or not that's, I, th I guess like really, I guess boils down to the director as well. Because the character of Steps, I don't think is a very good actor. The character who plays Robert Jr., I don't think is a very good actor. Uh, the character, uh, of course, the boxer who he fights, um, the line or Dixon, he does okay, I guess. Um, there really isn't like, any standout performance, I feel, in this one, unfortunately. I think the character of Rocky, uh, the character who plays Rocky, or the character, the actor who plays Rocky does the best, and that's the guy who's done it for years, right? So, yeah, I don't, I don't feel like there is much genuine, um, there is, everything just feels manufactured, unfortunately, in this one. I'm still going to hold to Burt Young, who plays Polly as being the best actor across the franchise, because it doesn't feel like he's acting. It feels like this is just how he is. I mean, his line delivery, the way he comes back into the role is so natural. Um, he's a really funny addition. And I think him and Rocky kind of have a good dynamic. Once again, there's a lot that's uh, on the cutting room floor that you're missing um, between these two. Um, and uh, I will say if you do want a little more deeper appreciation of the film, I do recommend watching it with Sylvester Stallone on that commentary because he does point out things like he put a lot of thought into um, how the coloring of shots and mm. the symbolism behind that. The as you see, like um, Rocky is very <laughs> stiff and uncomfortable in his son's white, um, very bland corporate world. Where, and Rocky feels more comfortable in the streets of Philadelphia. And uh, there's just a lot to the commentary that I think does point out some good aspects of the movie. I didn't um, quite catch the first time around. But uh, yeah, um, you know, I, I think Milo Ventimiglia, I've seen him in a lot of stuff. I had no idea he was in this movie. I don't think he does too bad. He's he's become a much better actor since then. Mm -hmm. um, I, I really just like him. Seems like a cool person but um 
Yeah, I mean, just things that I just, it's almost like Stallone is like a first time director or a first time writer, which is really confusing to me. Like what happened? Maybe uh, he's just got really rusty. Um, yeah. Just like that dialogue when he says the beast is over, the beast is out. Um, you don't need to tell us that for Pete's sake. Yeah. And not to mention too, right, that there are a lot of speeches in this story. Like characters just go on these random tangents, I think at least three or four times. Tons um, of characters just throw out exposition about their feelings and whatnot. Oh, oh yeah. Like I think the, <laughs> the first one that comes to my mind is when Marie and him have that conversation where he's like, I kind of want to, I kind of want to fight, you know? And she essentially tells him, you know, do what you love. Don't, don't worry about whatever, what anybody else thinks. Do what you want to do. Right. And she goes on this long tangent and then he kind of <laughs> relays that same thing to Robert and, there are a number of those in this film, um, which again, kind of adding to this feeling that it just kind of feel already feels somewhat manufactured. Unfortunately, it just like these, these scenes just tend to drag, especially when they get to those speeches because they speak, they talk for so long and they have so much to say, you know? So that was another point for me where I'm just like, Oh, come on. You know, do we have to be like, do we have to be this, uh, unsubtle about what the film is actually <laughs> about, right? Do we have to tell the audience exactly what this film is going to say, right? Do we have to speak the message instead of showing it, right? Well, it could have been a lot worse. Um, there's a really long sequence. Um, you, you remember when Polly uh, says, I don't need a watch mm -hmm. and he runs into the alley. And uh, that's actually a really long scene that was cut down where Polly basically sits down and breaks down crying and they have this huge heart to heart and Polly regrets how he treated Adrian and how he's treated Rocky all these years. Um, Burt Young cannot pull off crying to save his life. Mm -hmm. Sounds like he's auditioning for the role of the Joker. Um, but like I'm saying, you're totally right about all of that stuff. But there is footage where it's like, hey, it's time for another heart to heart. And it's just this movie becomes almost a series of heart to hearts. Um, and sometimes they work and sometimes it's like, okay, well, when's the next one coming up? So yeah. it, you're right. Well, I can, I can definitely see where some cutting was done there because it just, it just feels weird that, you know, Rocky follows Polly out to the alleyway and then Rocky is walking away. He's like, I don't need to watch. And Rocky smiles and walks back inside. Yeah. Um, it's a big, long scene that was cut. Well, that makes a lot more sense. I was wondering about <laughs> that. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and you know, it's uh, the other thing that's really underdeveloped in this movie is Mason Dixon's trainer, uh, Marty, supposed to sound like Mickey. Oh, he yeah. doesn't play any kind of a role, but they still give him like attention, like he is important. And there's that scene where um, Marty's like telling him, he's like, You just, um, I don't even remember what he tells him, but uh, Dixon's expression, he's expressionless throughout the whole thing. And that's one of the things that honestly does bother me about this movie is they went so far for realism that. Pretty much everybody outside of Rocky, Polly, Marie, and the son are all real life people, pretty much. Yeah. Um, which, they're not actors. Yeah, they're which real. doesn't bode well when they don't have much experience. Well, they don't have any experience. Yeah. Um, this is like their first time with stuff, which I really think brings down kind of the quality of the movie. It's really weird. Um, yeah, like um, his two promoters, when they're having that scene at the the dinner table and they're trying to get him to join the fight those people are real promoters in real life oh um, that makes sense then i guess 
Yeah, th- it just doesn't come across as good acting, though. It, it's really yeah. unenjoyable to watch. Yeah. I'll tell you what is weird, though. Okay. The setup to this whole movie is really, really strange to me. Essentially, the whole reason for this movie to even, like, to happen is because of some newscast played some simulation between the between Rocky back in his prime versus the current champion Dixon and saw that Rocky would win against the if it were pit up against the two of them. And that's what kickstarts this whole movie. Oh, oh like what? Like <laughs> that just seems so weak to me. Like the fact that the public would then take it and then run wild with it. It just seems really, really out of nowhere and weak to me. So there is historical precedent for this. There was a computer generated fight, which I I still don't even there's a Sports Illustrated thing. I was trying to watch about it. It, It's old, but it looks real. I don't understand it. Mm -hmm. It's between Muhammad Ali and Rocky Marciano, who were considered both the greatest at the same time and they're undefeated, but they never fought each other. So the computer did it. So that's that's where their entire idea came from. Okay. Um to do that. But you are right, it does feel very sappy and cheesy. It fits let's just let's be honest. It fits right at home in the mid 2000s. Um it really does with that kind of sappiness to it. So, yeah, I mean Rocky has been feeling unfulfilled. Adrian passed away 4 years prior to the events of this film. And he's always just loved boxing. He enjoys telling stories. And yeah, he's like, what if um, what if I do just something on the local level? And then it gets blown out of proportion when they want it to be an exhibition fight. And then mm-hmm. it becomes pure fantasy when a 60-year-old fights somebody half his age and is right. able to go the distance with them. Um, I don't really believe it. Yeah, this, I think the way that the way that they pull it off, I think execution wise, I think is kind of the name of the game of this film, right? I don't think the execution of what they do here is really well done. Same with like those just tangents that these characters go on. They just feel like they're, they're executed to a point where, you know, it's just spilling, you know, right. Just like laying everything out. Like this is what this is about. Right. Same thing with this, right? There, the idea is there. It has a historical context behind it, but it's pulled off. I feel like so we- it's so weak the way that it's pulled off. It just feels like it's it feels weird because that's like the whole thing that starts this whole story, right? Which I, I get it. You know, it's fine that it has historical context behind it and everything. I just wish that the way that it was pulled off, you know, was made a little bit more unique or a little bit more organic. I guess is is what I would say. I mean, you're right. It does kind of come out of nowhere. I mean, it's been, what, 16 years since Rocky has retired. Mm-hmm. And again, <laughs> well, yeah, again. And, you know, nobody's thought about this, I guess. It's just very random. Um, mm-hmm. it, it nevertheless is an intriguing concept of what if the greatest, essentially the greatest boxer of all time went up against today's light heavyweight champion. The only problem with that is um, I never believe that mason dixon is this heavyweight champion also because i feel like the beginning of the movie really undermines um the incredibleness of his character and maybe they are going for realism but they're saying he only does like these fluff fights he never picks anybody that he could that could truly match him in anything and so they're setting him up as you know he just kind of has this big ego and that's it but what if some 
old guy does come in and show him up and this old guy has been the fighter it does you're right it's really stilted it's really clunky and it's not smooth whatsoever and uh yeah that's just kind of this whole movie in a nutshell unfortunately yeah yeah i think that kind of that kind of encapsulates my whole feeling the whole feelings about it is that uh it just feels clunky and not very organic unfortunately well the one last thing that i did i really was wondering about is what do you think about how this last fight is shot like how it's filmed what were your thoughts while watching it because we haven't seen anything like this in any other rocky movie i was okay with it um i was okay with it because it it does change up the it changes up now how it is actually shot and it is shot very much like a more like a modern pay-per-view fight would be shot today right so i do i did end up enjoying it now of course it was kind of both it starts off like that um where it is very much emulating that pay-per-view kind of feel but then also kind of gets in close as if it were to film like it was back in the those original films so i was okay with it i think i liked it um i I liked seeing that because it was a change up in what they usually do for these final fights i end up i think i ended up enjoying it more than i i didn't you know, it took me my second watching to appreciate it that this is a it's been a very long time for a Rocky movie. They need to update it for a new generation. Yeah. And what better way to do that? And also, if they are going for straight realism, then it is cool to see those cameras in the shot. And yeah. it's because um, these are real HBO pay-per-view crew members filming this. And um, the realism was taken to... I, I don't even know it. It's just straight up real. Um, on first viewing, I didn't really like it at all. Um, I, it just kind of took me out of it. I'm not used to it. But on second viewing, um, just kind of seeing what the movie was going for. I like it. Now, it does get kind of cheesy in some parts where the commentator cut the commentator that says, welcome to Rocky Land. And then his son says, everybody thought this was a joke, including me. Now, no one is laughing. Mm-hmm. And then Mason Dixon says, you're one crazy old man. And he responds, you'll get there one day. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It, it was going to be worse. In the commentary, Stallone said that um, when the uh, father and son reunite at the graveyard, the son says, um, I haven't been to a boxing match in a long time. And the original line was uh, Rocky would reply, I, I know where one is happening or something stupid like that and he's like yeah that would have ruined the entire emotion of the scene so he, he cut it thankfully that's fair yeah <laughs> um but the one thing that i do appreciate about this fight is that um it's not about the winning it's about um just this is how stallone describes it it's about venting this whole thing is about venting the pain and loss from the loved ones across the whole series yeah yeah, I think and they do definitely kind of take, you know, the same ending as the first Rocky film, right? Where Rocky is not really there. He doesn't really win necessarily, but he does go the distance, right? He does survive, essentially. And so, yeah, I I, I did like that. There was most definitely a callback, just kind of how this whole movie is. It feels very much like that. But yeah, it's most definitely, you know, going for, you know, not necessarily the, the fact that Rocky needs to win. But more to the fact that, you know, that monster in the basement, right, that he needs to get rid of, that venting that he needs to get rid of, that all that pent up, like, anguish that he's held, that he's held for so many years, right? Now it's finally gone, right? So, yeah, I, I do like this ending. You know, while Dixon was the winner in this story, you know, he, Rocky was the people's winner, essentially, right? 
We do get to see right. at the very end people are cheering his name as he's walking, as he's exiting as well. Well, there is an alternate ending on the disc. Can you guess how it goes? Rocky wins? Yep. I figured. Yep. And the alternate ending, Rocky is declared the winner of the match. It uh, It is not a, it doesn't go the other way, just like in the first movie. Mm-hmm. He basically stays in the ring and gets all the glory and whatnot. And then, then he finally like walks out and it feels a little too self-aggrandizing. I think, um, I think it goes too far and it goes for the wrong thing. And that's what Stallone talked about in the commentary was if he made it about winning, he would kind of be betraying the entirety of the film and the characters like purpose in the film. So keeping it as, and that's why, um, in this cut of the movie, he gets out of the ring a lot faster instead mm-hmm. of staying in the ring. He pretty much leaves. He's done. He 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 did it. And that's all he wanted to do. He didn't really go there to win. So I'm glad they did not go with that alternate ending. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then finally, that's not the total end of the movie. It's when Rocky puts the flowers on Adrian's grave, waves goodbye, and just kind of fades out. And honestly, I, I think that is probably the best end for the series for the rocky series i would say just that kind of final note yeah i i agree i agree okay so i i mentioned this a little bit ago uh back in the in the you know positive section that the conversation between father and son um i said i, I there was a point to it that i wasn't i wasn't exactly too keen on so essentially where this conversation goes is, you know, you need to live for yourself, right? Don't let, don't live for other people, that kind of, that whole speech, right? Not long after, actually, I think it's the next, I think it's the next scene after that, um, Robert Jr. goes and quits his job, right? And he's like, yeah, I didn't fit in all this kind of stuff. I do take a little bit of an issue with that, <laughs> um, mostly because it is a, even though, I get it. You know, he didn't want to live in his father's shadow uh, and only got the job because of his father's name. It is a job after all, and it is what is going to get him money after all. And, you know, there is, I think, an argument that could be made about, again, that responsibility, right? I don't necessarily think that this film is saying that you need to do only what you're passionate about necessarily. But I think that there is still an argument that could be made here that, you know, there are times where we have to do something that you don't like in the instance of the son, right? He, I think it maybe it would, it would have been interesting to see him stay and keep his job because that's the most responsible thing to do, despite the fact that he doesn't necessarily like it. Yeah. I mean, that's a valid point. He doesn't like it. He hates it. Mm -hmm. And if I'm not wrong, he says something in his speech about, I only took the job because of it's, it's just like the opposite of what you would do. I, I could be reading that into it. Um, I don't think I ever realized he quit his job until you brought that up. Yeah, he does. I mean, that, that would explain all of his free time to help his dad train, <laughs> I guess. Yeah. <laughs> but um, it is a very quick turnaround that doesn't really feel earned because there's a lot of distance that has grown between those two and it's resolved in a two-minute conversation um, so I understand for shorthand for movie, uh, it does come around, but yeah, um, I guess I don't really like that either. It's, um, just way too easy. Yeah. That's, that's kind of where my, 
I guess my uh, view on the message of the film, I'm not so in line with it mostly just because of, you know, this aspect, you know, verse, you know, passion versus responsibility, that thing again. You know, I, I do think this movie does say some important things, but at the same time, this movie is a very soft serve, easy movie with its message. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. You don't have to dig too deep to find it. So you don't have to dig too deep to find it. It's oftentimes spoon fed to us and it doesn't really make us earn it. And the characters don't really have to earn it. And I think that's a good example you brought up where it's just like, be your own person. And then he's like, okay, I quit my job and I want to help you train. Mm -hmm. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, what, what was I supposed to learn from that? Um, yeah, I love that scene, and now you kind of ruined it for me, Alan, now that you brought that up. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> well, I <laughs> can't help it. Okay, but but we do agree it's dramatically effective. Yeah, I mean, I think it for what they're going for, it works, right? You know, I think because they're going for, like, that father-son relationship between the two of them and how it finally comes to a head between the two. You know, again, they're the airing of the grievances, like with the last movie. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, so th I think thematically it's, it's, it does, it is there. Um, I don't, again, it's their, their speeches again. Right. So they're already from, at least for me, I'm, I'm kind of like, come on, you know, I've, I've already <laughs> seen this before. This is not the first time we've done this in this film. Um, but dramatically for the characters, yeah, it, it definitely needs to be there. Yeah, you basically summed up the entire Rocky series, except for the first one and two, probably. It's just clock watching. A large swaths of the movie is just like, okay, come on. All right. <laughs> uh, anyways, yeah, I'm pretty curious, though, Alan. What is your rating and recommendation for Rocky Balboa? So I, I, I think you hit the nail on the head when you said that this is very much an emulation of that first movie. It's the emulation of that first movie, first movie to a point where I feel like it's, it's, it, it feels manufactured, right? Because there are, there aren't too many scenes that go through that go by that I'm watching where I feel like I'm, you know, emotionally in tune with these characters. There are things that I like. I like the character of Marie. And I like, you know, her and Rocky's relationship. Um, and I like I like where the father and son relationship goes as well, where the son is like, I, I don't like living in your shadow, dad. I want to do things on my own way. But at the same time, those scenes where that they get to, where they have these big speeches, which I feel like if they were done, if they worked in without telling the audience, they would work maybe more effective. Unfortunately, this is a movie where it follows the rules of, of tell, don't show. And we get so these these long sequences where it just spills out everything that this movie's about, right? And so it gets to a point where, you know, you do get the son where he quits his job because he doesn't want to live in his father's shadow, which is a very irresponsible thing to do, I feel. Um, and I've already, you know, I mentioned that a little bit ago. So at the end of the day, I got to say, I wasn't a very big fan of this one. Uh, unfortunately, I I can't say that I would. I, I don't know if I'd ever really. Well, I can't say that it's necessarily the lowest on the pedestal of all of these Rocky films, but it's most definitely not the highest, unfortunately. So I'm going to give it a ooh. I'm going to give it a four out of ten, but it's not going to be recommended for me. Rocky Balboa is a respectful return from our long dormant favorite boxing champion. 
His comeback story is sentimental while providing a modern take on the original film. Longtime Rocky fans will be rewarded and even will have their heartstrings tugged on. Of course, Sly Stone nicely slips back into the role, Burt Young makes a perfect return, and even Milo Ventimiglia gives a welcome take on Rocky Jr. I think what I enjoyed most about this film was not Rocky's emotional comeback, but his relationship with Little Marie all these years later. Seeing a humbled Rocky works with those he knew on the streets when he was a nobody is a smart addition to this plot, because it gives our character more of a grounded connection to his roots than Rocky V ever did. Despite this movie being a fun comeback and clearly a better note for our hero to go out on, unfortunately it's still largely boring through the first hour. Antonio Tarver isn't an actor and his character is weak all around. I have no excitement or care for them to fight. I do have my issues with the way the final fight is shot and lit, although upon second watching I have some more appreciation for it, but the camera work all around isn't great and mostly everyone's acting is poor. Surprisingly, this movie comes across like Stallone's f a first-time director and his cast are first-time actors. This very much feels like a low-budget B-movie. Knowing the critic and audience scores, I had high expectations for this movie, and my small recollection was it was pretty good. Well, it's not bad, it's just not really good. The Italian Stallion's sixth outing isn't very engaging, and the emotionality often feels forced. Rocky Balboa receives 5 stars out of 10, with a mild not recommend. Can we talk about how awful the credits are? <laughs> yeah. People running up the rocky steps. Yeah, I mean, you know, they're out there shooting on location and they're just random tourists. They're like, hey, run up these steps and we'll put you in the end of the movie. Yep. And um, the reason he did that was he wanted it to go out on a lighthearted note. He felt like the ending was becoming way too sentimental and kind of depressing. Um, so that those are his words, not mine. Mm -hmm. So he really wanted it to be... Um, more enthusiastic i guess and just show the impact it's had uh i thought it was really stupid um yeah I, i'm with you on that one i i don't really care either way for it no i don't like it at all um there's that kind of cool shot though it's kind of weird though of this really wide shot of stallone just like standing on the steps mm -hmm. um looking out over the city in his original rocky clothes um and that was the final shot of the movie actually the final take was Stallone running up the steps. And he talked about how that was pretty emotional for him. Um, once he called cut, he wasn't coming back um, for that scene to that place in that role. Mm -hmm. um, that's what he said, at least when on the commentary. Um, so, you know, I, I kind of liked that as well. Um, it's some pretty ham-fisted symbolism since he's an old dog and he's literally holding an old dog. Um we didn't even talk about that ham-fisted symbolism. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, oh, we did. Oh, dear. Well, this concludes not our Rocky movie review series, but our reviews of all six of just the straight-up Rocky films. Now, we still have the two spinoffs, uh, the two Creed spinoffs to go along with. But I did want to look at our average rating for Across the Six uh, film so i gave this one a five just like last time and you gave it a four so well dang it <laughs> that ties us alan for our average rating does 
It does. Uh, we both have an average rating across the six films of a five out of ten. So, I mean, for me, across these six films, I'm going to have to give it... I I'm just going to have to say not recommend for these six films. Yeah, I'm going to have to say it too. While there are some good ones in the series, I feel like I've been on a roller coaster this entire series <laughs> because the first one was great, and the second one was pretty good, and the third one was, I guess, also pretty good according to my, my score. I, I gave it a six out of ten. I, I don't remember that at all, fortunately. Yeah. Um, and then I don't know. I just feel like I've been on this roller coaster for this entire series, but I think I'm going to agree with you. Um, that's a no for me either. Yeah. Uh, I haven't recommended a movie since um, Rocky 2. Yeah, that should tell you something. Yeah. I didn't recommend 3, 4, 5, or 6 at this point. Did I recommend 3? I think I may give it a mild recommend. I'm pretty sure you did give 3 a mild recommend. Um, so you technically recommended the first 3 and did not recommend the last 3. Yeah. That sounds about right. Yeah. So, uh, I'm kind of curious to, as to your ranking, though. One, two, three, five, Baboa, four. Okay. So, mine is Rocky 2 is my number one still. I know it's controversial. Rocky, the original, is my number two. Rocky 5 is my number three. Would you believe it? I'm, I'm surprised. A little bit. Yeah. Honestly, I think I liked the story a little bit better in Rocky Five, and I found it to be just a lot more entertaining and a lot more engaging for me. So after that, uh, Rocky Balboa, number four, Rocky Three, number five, and Rocky Four, number six. At least we agree on Rocky Four. We both were not very big fans of that one. Um, yeah, that movie was garbage. We, <laughs> we each gave that one a three. Yeah. Well, we didn't recommend this one. Well, well, actually, first of all, is this a pickup or pass? Oh, uh, pass. It's a pass. You know, for me, maybe I would pick this up very, very cheaply. Um, but otherwise, likely not. I mean, I'd have to pick this up at Dollar Tree, maybe. But I've already got the Blu-ray collection, so it doesn't matter. I've, I've got this one forever. <laughs> <laughs> but we didn't recommend this movie. So what else would you recommend to the listeners? Rambo 2008. Um, yeah. That's a pretty easy pick, but that was really the only thing I could... I think that one... Those, these two are almost companion pieces because they are definitely returns to the characters they were big in the 70s and 80s. You know, I'm going to steal one of your recommends from a couple of reviews ago. Oh, yeah? Um, I'm going to recommend Here Comes the Boom. Oh, okay. Yeah, that would I feel like too. these movies are very, very similar um, with Here Comes the Boom doing this story better. Mm-hmm. Well, this is not the last time Stallone is the character. It sure seemed like it, and he sure intended it to be that way. But nine years later, he comes back to reprise the role. Once again, albeit in a supporting position, he is no longer the main character. With the spinoff movie Creed, which I have not seen at all. Same here. I haven't, I haven't seen it. All I know from it is that from the people that I listened to when it came out, which would have been subject to pretty much just Chris Duckman, 
uh, and Jeremy Johns, they I remember they both saying it was rather good, and I was excited to see it, but never ended up actually watching it. So I'm I'm excited to actually find a time to actually watch this movie because I've heard you know good things about it. All right, listeners, the question after the show is, is Rocky's comeback worth it or should he have left it all on the streets? You clearly know our thoughts, but uh, we're pretty curious to know your thoughts. So make sure no matter where you're at, make sure to leave those comments because uh, pretty curious to know. Uh, critics really thought this movie was good. I mean, people really do like this movie. Alan and I are clearly in the minority. Um, when it comes to this film, and it seems that way for large parts of this series, we don't line up with the with regular critic thought. Will Corbin, thanks for joining me. Sure thing. All right, this is Will Corbin. I will be back next week with the spinoff Creed, starring Michael B. Jordan. Hey listeners, it's Corbin. Don't forget to check out the exciting links in the description below that will connect you with more great movie reviews for your listening pleasure and our YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter page. And of course, our official website where you can read great articles and sign up for our free weekly newsletter. Also, if you want exclusive bonus content such as extra movie reviews, movie commentaries, and our thoughts on the latest movie news and trailers, plus more, then check out our Patreon page. It's a great way to help keep this show free, and it gives you great content that's yours to keep. All of that and more is found in the description below. Don't forget to subscribe whether you're on YouTube, Apple, Google, or Stitcher, or your favorite podcast service. And while you're at it, please leave us a five-star review so other movie lovers can more easily find our podcast. We love talking about movies, and we love talking about them with you. So don't forget to share with your friends and family, and we'll see you next week, listeners. The Silver Screen Guide podcast is edited and produced by Alan and Corbin. Intro and outro music is created by Thomas Rankin. The thoughts and opinions herein expressed are those of the individual and do not necessarily represent those held by Silver Screen Guide. Silver Screen Guide is not affiliated with any company or individual involved with the creation of this movie or TV show. No portion of the podcast may be used without express written permission from Silver Screen Guide. Well, listeners, um, well, I totally lost my train of thought. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, I, I'm kind of curious to, as to your ranking, though. Yes. Give me one second. <laughs> I've got them all ranked right here on Letterboxd. All right. Um, in terms of ranking, I guess it's going to go one, from two. Be from best to worst. Yes, from best to worst. Okay. One, two, three, five, Baboa, four. <laughs> okay. <laughs> just, just the way you did, just the way you didn't say six, you just called it Balboa. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> All right, well, this friends, we'll be back. We'll be back next week with Creed. I'm going to do that over again. Doesn't quite have the ring as a Rocky movie, does it? It doesn't. It, yeah, it really doesn't. It's because it's one syllable instead of two. Yeah. All right, listeners, we're going to be back. All right, listeners, Corbett and I will be back next week for the, I guess, re. Uh, what is it? I the guess. Spin off. Uh, yeah, I guess spinoff. Uh, starring 
my goodness. I, I don't know how to end this. <laughs> this is so weird. I don't know how to end this.